0: Welcome to Creation, Myth or Miracle. This is your host, ex-atheist, Richard Walker. Greetings to all you lovers of details. Did you ever notice that really good authors of mysteries pull all the details together right at the very end of the story? And if they're a good author, they don't have to introduce things that were never in the story previously, instead they simply make some connections and you sort of go, aha, I could have thought of that, but I didn't. And it becomes rather fun to sort of be fooled like that. And it's not easy to put a story together in that way where the details all coincide into an unexpected result. And without this level of details in the story, they're just sort of surface level boring stories, at least to me. Now, when looking at the physical evidence in the world around us and asking the question as to what might explain the existence of all this stuff, including ourselves, we can't ignore the details. And I like to use the phrase, the devil is in the details. And this has nothing to do with Satan. It's simply a phrase that means there's something hidden. And if you look closely enough in the details, you might figure this out. In other words, you cannot ignore the details and get the story correct. Well, according to Wikipedia, which is referencing Google, the phrase, the devil's in the details, didn't appear in print before about 1975. I didn't realize that. I thought it might be a whole lot older. But what do I know? At any rate, why am I bringing this up? Well, I want to talk a bit about a particular book which was extremely influential in the intelligent design movement, Darwin's Black Box, written by biochemist Michael Behe. And based upon his own interviews and stories about his conversion, if you will, from staunch Darwinian evolutionist to intelligent design advocate, he points out that he finally read a book written by a doctor, M.D. Michael Denton, titled Evolution, A Theory, in Crisis. And he only read the book because he had some pleasant students who pestered him repeatedly to take a look at this book, claiming that there were some problems in evolution, be he did not think that was the case at all, but finally agreed to read the book, expecting to be able to say, okay, there, I'm done with it, answer their objections, and move on. He read the book and was astounded to find out, There were really serious problems, and furthermore, he had been completely unaware of them. He actually stated that he became angry when he realized this. I think that stemmed from realizing he'd had a totally filtered education all the way to the Ph.D. level and on through years of teaching and research. Consider that for a moment. Somebody with that level of education in the realm of evolution can be completely unaware of serious scientific questions about evolution. That's a clue about just how filtered the education is. At any rate, Behe went on to do his own detailed research and ultimately wrote the book, Darwin's Black Box, The Biochemical Challenge to Evolution. And I want to share a bit from his preface to that book where he is apologizing for all the details included in the book, but he explains why it's necessary. And I will use this broadcast as my apology for the necessity of including a greater level of detail being used occasionally than might be typical on a radio broadcast, or a podcast for that matter. But you really can't understand where the evidence truly points if you ignore the details. Now, you must remember that Behe wrote this book in 1996, and so he makes a reference to this archaic device that some of you who are younger may never have heard of unless you visited an electronics museum. It's the video cassette recorder, which used to be called a VCR. These were everywhere in households, and the adults never seemed to know how to program the darn things. They were a pain in the neck to program because they had a very limited user interface. There was no keyboard that you could enter characters on. There was just a few buttons. And in order to tell this VCR when you wanted it to record a TV show, you had to push buttons in very specific sequences in order to program it while looking at a tiny LED display and reading what state it thinks it's in. So it was very meticulous. It was often down at a level uncomfortable for adults to look at, down near the floor, with a tiny little display that was difficult to read with your bifocals. And hence, we often just had a five-year-old program it for us. They had no problem at all. With this historical note in place, we'll be ready to take a look at Michael Behe's Apologia for Details in just a moment. (music) We're now going to look at part of the preface to the landmark book, Darwin's Black Box, The Biochemical Challenge to Evolution, written by biochemist Michael Behe. He titled this section, Apologia for Details. And it reads as follows. Several years ago, Santa Claus gave my oldest son a plastic tricycle for Christmas. Unfortunately, busy man that he is, Santa had no time to take it out of the box and assemble it before heading off. The task fell to Dad. I took the parts out of the box, unfolded the assembly instructions, and sighed. There were six pages of detailed instructions. Line up the eight different types of screws, insert two one-and-a-half-inch screws through the handle into the shaft, stick the shaft through the square hole in the body of the bike, and so on. I didn't want to even read the instructions because I knew they couldn't be skimmed like a newspaper. The whole purpose is in the details. But I rolled up my sleeves, opened a can of beer, and set to work. After several hours, the tricycle was assembled. In the process, I had, indeed, read every single instruction in the booklet several times, to drill them into my head, and performed the exact actions that the instructions required. My aversion to instructions seems to be widespread, Although most households own a videocassette recorder, of VCR, most folks cannot program them. These technological wonders come with complete operating instructions, but the very thought of tediously studying each sentence of the booklet makes most people delegate the job to the nearest ten-year-old. Unfortunately, much of biochemistry is like an instruction booklet in the sense that the importance is in the details. A student of biochemistry who merely skims through a biochemistry textbook is virtually certain to spend much of the next exam staring at the ceiling as drops of sweat trickle down his or her forehead. Skimming the textbook does not prepare a student for questions such as outline in detail the mechanism of hydrolysis of a peptide bond by trypsin paying special attention to the role of transition state-binding energy. Although there are broad principles of biochemistry that help a mortal comprehend the general picture of the chemistry of life, broad principles only take you so far. A degree in engineering does not substitute for the tricycle instruction booklet, nor does it directly help you to program your VCR, Many people, unfortunately, are all too aware of the pickiness of biochemistry. People who suffer with sickle cell anemia, enduring much pain in their shortened lives, know the importance of the little detail that changed one out of 146 amino acid residues in one out of the tens of thousands of proteins in their body. The parents of children who die of Tay-Sachs or cystic fibrosis, or who suffer from diabetes or hemophilia, know more than they want to about the importance of biochemical details. So as a writer who wants people to read my work, I face a dilemma. People hate to read details. Yet the story of the impact of biochemistry on evolutionary theory rests solely in the details. Therefore, I have to write the kind of book people don't like to read in order to persuade them of the ideas that push me to write. Nevertheless, complexity must be experienced to be appreciated, so, gentle reader, I beg your patience. There are going to be a lot of details in this book. And it's a fact that Behe's book does contain a lot of details. And if you pay attention to those details, follow his arguments carefully, actually pay attention to what he says, not what you think he may have said, or certainly not what the critics claim he said, then what you find is a series of very persuasive arguments that Darwinian evolution, or neo-Darwinian, the undirected change that evolution is supposed to be built upon, is insufficient to explain the types of molecular machines that we see within living cells. So why are the details important? It's because the details show exactly how these molecular machines are put together and behave. And without understanding what they really look like, that is, how they're actually assembled, we can't even pretend to claim we have a story for how they originated. But once you do see how they're assembled, how the parts interact, etc., you realize that there is no slow, gradual, undirected change type of story that can lead to these complex machines. Hence the problem for undirected evolution. Anybody who likes science and believes evolution is well-grounded on scientific facts needs to read Michael Behe's book and needs to read it carefully. Whatever you do, don't fall for the story And it's nothing but a false story that his arguments have been fully refuted by the likes of Kenneth Miller and others. And in fact, when we come back in a moment, we'll take a look at an appendix, actually an afterword, that Michael Behe included in the 10th anniversary edition of his book, published in 2006. Michael Behe's landmark book, Darwin's Black Box, The Biochemical Challenge to Evolution, presented a formidable scientific challenge to undirected evolution. As you might expect, it did not go without challengers. In fact, it was subjected to phenomenally serious attack from many quarters over many years of time. And in the 10th anniversary edition in 2006, Michael Behe added an afterword addressing the things that had occurred since. In this he writes, As I was saying, Now it's the turn of the fundamental science of life, modern biochemistry, to disturb. File that remark under the heading, Understatements Big. When I wrote that sentence near the conclusion of Darwin's black box ten years ago, I had no inkling of how very unsettling some people would find the concept of intelligent design. Today, with fresh denunciations issuing almost weekly from scientific societies and newspaper editorial boardrooms alike, it might seem a trifle premature to declare a victory. Yet, although the cultural dynamic is still playing itself out, a decade after the publication of Darwin's Black Box, the scientific argument for design is stronger than ever. Despite the enormous progress of biochemistry in the intervening years, Despite hundreds of probing commentaries in periodicals as diverse as the New York Times, Nature, Christianity Today, Philosophy of Science, and Chronicle of Higher Education, despite implacable opposition from some scientists at the highest levels, the book's argument for design stands. Other than updating the list of my children in the acknowledgments, append Dominique, Helen, and Gerard, there is very little of the original text I would change if I wrote it today. There is, however, much I could add. For modern science, ten years is an eon. And he then describes the development of the Internet from where it was in 1996 to today, or to 2006 actually, and several other monumental achievements within the realm of science. Truth is, we do know a great deal more in biochemistry now than we did when he wrote his book. And he continues, in short, as science advances relentlessly, the molecular foundation of life is not getting any less complex than it seemed a decade ago. It is getting exponentially more complex. As it does, the case for intelligent design of life becomes exponentially stronger. Nonetheless, the hurly-burly of the public intellectual marketplace can make it difficult for a person to soberly judge the strength of a controversial idea. So over the next few pages, I'll address some confusions about the argument for intelligent design that have inevitably cropped up as people opposed to, or just unacquainted with, the book's reasoning, chimed in the vigorous public discussion of the past decade. The most important sources of confusion include misunderstandings about the concept of irreducible complexity and the nature of the argument for design. And in a moment, we'll look at how Michael Behe actually defined irreducible complexity and also some of the major, most visible objections to it and his response. As Behe writes, Ten years ago, I used the phrase Irreducible complexity to shine a spotlight on a large and then substantially underappreciated problem for Darwinian evolution. Like a mouse-trap, almost all of the elegant molecular machinery of the cell needs multiple parts to work. Because of the need for many parts, it is extraordinarily difficult to rigorously envision how systems such as the celium, flagellum, or blood-clotting cascade could have arisen from simpler systems by the numerous successive slight modifications imagined by Charles Darwin. I define irreducible complexity on page 39. A single system which is composed of several well-matched interacting parts that contribute to the basic function and where the removal of any one of the parts causes the system to effectively cease functioning. Now, I am a scientist. I'm no philosopher. The purpose of the definition was to highlight the empirical difficulty for Darwinian gradualism posed by complex interactive systems in a real biological context, not to play word games. Nonetheless, some rejoinders to Darwin's black box have sought to sweep the evolutionary problem for natural selection under the rug, by picking at the phrase irreducible complexity, or by subtly altering its definition. In the next three sections, we'll look at three examples. Now, we won't look at all three examples that Behe includes, but before we continue, let me remind you of the definition of a straw man argument, or at least let me give you my analogy. Let's suppose I have an enemy, and the enemy has a robot made of titanium, with numerous bristling weapons. I'm supposed to challenge and defeat that robot. So what I do is, I build a straw man. Essentially a scarecrow. I build a man of straw. I then set fire to it and burn it down, and then I tell you, I defeated the robot. I did no such thing. I didn't even engage in combat with the robot. I pretended the robot was something else much simpler for me to defeat. The purpose of a straw man argument is to fool you. It's not to actually defeat anything. In this realm of creation evolution, the use of straw man arguments occurs probably on a daily basis by evolutionists. They simply don't want to deal with the arguments actually presented by creationist scientists. The same thing happens in the realm of intelligent design as you will see when we continue with Michael Behe's response to some of the objections to Darwin's black box. We're taking a look at Michael Behe's afterward in his 10th anniversary edition of Darwin's black box and looking at his response to some of the major arguments presented against the concept of irreducible complexity. In 1999, the philosopher of science Robert Pennock argued in Tower of Babel, that irreducible complexity was no problem for Darwinism. As philosophers will do, he focused not on the science, but on the definition, or at least what he construed as the definition. Here's a quote from Penock: Even if a system is irreducibly complex with respect to one defined basic function, this in no way implies that nearby variations might not serve other nearby functions. Be he claimed that there could never be any functional intermediates that natural selection could have selected for on the way to any irreducibly complex system. But he can't get the empirical conclusion from his, by definition, conceptual argument. The strong empirical premise he needs is false. Well, that's what Pinnock wrote. he responds, Pinnock, however, simply substituted his own concept of irreducible complexity for mine. I never wrote that, quote... There could never be any functional intermediates that natural selection could have selected for on the way to any irreducibly complex system. End quote. Those are Pinnock's words. On the contrary, on page 40, I point out that although irreducible complexity does rule out direct routes, it does not automatically rule out indirect ones. There's more info here, but Pinnock just completely ignored what Behe wrote, substituted a false strawman definition, actually containing elements that Behe had addressed in his book, but then he proceeded to burn down the straw man and claim he defeated irreducible complexity. He did no such thing at all. He played a stupid straw man word game. And we just barely have time to look at one other. Like Robert Pinnock, Brown University cell biologist Kenneth Miller was keen to show that irreducible complexity is not a problem for Darwinian evolution. Like Pinnock, Miller concocted his own private definition of irreducible complexity and then argued against that. But unlike Pinnock, Miller was wondrously lax in imagining the sorts of jobs that a deconstructed, irreducibly complex system might settle for. He imagined promising Darwinian precursors behind every door. Whatever could have a function as simple as that of a paperweight or toothpick. Miller redefined irreducible complexity to mean that none of the components of an irreducibly complex system could have its own function separate from the system. In a story entitled Evolution Critics Come Under Fire for Flaws in Intelligent Design, Wall Street Journal columnist Sharon Begley channeled Miller's views. Quote, In 1996, Michael Behe offered a stronger argument against evolution. Complex living structures, he argued in his book, Darwin's black box possess irreducible complexity, that is, they can't function until all their component parts are assembled, much as a mousetrap isn't much good until the base, spring, bar, and all the rest are connected. Now, so far she's accurate, but then she continues. Moreover, the individual parts of complex structures supposedly serve no function. Behe never said that. And this very attribute of Kenneth Miller's definition of irreducible complexity, not Behe's, this is the element that doesn't work. This is flawed. And Miller and others then point out the flaws. Rather clever rhetorical argument that has absolutely nothing to do with science. But it would be very easy to be fooled by that rhetorical argument if you didn't pay very close attention to the details. Let's say, for example, you only read Miller's Criticisms of Darwin's Black Box and never actually read Behe's book for yourself. You might believe the false definition of irreducible complexity as being what Behe wrote about. It is not. This is classic straw man argument. This is a rhetorical debate-type tactic and has no place in real scientific discussion. Why do scientists resort to this? Because they cannot address the actual argument presented by Behe. Thus far, it's now been 18 years, and there are still no true challenges to the concept of irreducible complexity as defined by Michael Behe. Indeed, as Behe noted, the more we learn about what's going on in cells, the worse the problem gets for undirected evolution. Hence... The devil is truly in the details. It's these details that cause the problem for undirected evolution. But life consists of these detailed mechanisms. At least physical life, that is. I'm not pretending we are only the molecules that make up our body. That atheistic or materialistic worldview fails to account for minor things like consciousness, for example. But that's another story for another day. The bottom line is, there is very solid scientific evidence out there that cannot be accounted for by undirected evolution. When you look at the details of what science is really uncovering, you realize there must be a monumental injection of highly specific complex information to assemble life itself. This could never have happened without direction. There is solid evidence for the Creator in the creation around us, exactly as the Apostle Paul wrote 2,000 years ago in the first chapter of his letter to the Romans. So let's not pretend otherwise. See creation, miracle dot com.